some years ago, a friend of mine who lives in Orlando was telling me about, he was telling me that the hurricanes, that two, two hurricanes that came through in a similar uh, period of time or in close period of time helped them to meet their neighbors for the first time. <laughs> Isn't it true that uh, sometimes it takes a crisis to get us out of our patterns so we can, we can get to know the people around us? I remember when my parents moved to Knoxville, Tennessee, they moved to a, a community that was a little different from the one I grew up in, and I, I watched, as I went down to get the paper one morning, I watched uh, someone uh, come home, and, um, and their garage door opened, was opening as they were pulling in the driveway, and before the taillights were uh, off, the garage door was coming down. You know, it's just a little different kind of people were not as interactive. It used to be that people were on their front porches and more accessible to each other. And in some some, uh, cultures, because they live in a state of of constant survival and crisis, people are in each other's lives a lot more. I, I I think what I'm getting at is that the holiday season... Can, can be a joyous time, but it, it can also remind us of some of the places where we feel isolated. And sometimes it's really our own fault. We are not accessible to the people around us the way we could be. We're not very accessible. And so this, this friend of mine in Orlando after the, the hurricane came through, people were dependent upon each other much more than they normally would be, and this person had plenty of coffee, and, and this person had a camp stove, and so they came together, and, 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 and they had coffee for the neighborhood, and, and, and this other person had a generator, and, 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 so, uh, and, and so it brought people together, and, and sometimes we do, we feel isolated. You know, one of the things that it doesn't take a crisis, one of the things that, that can help us become more accessible to each other is simply gratitude. Grateful people are more accessible. I want to be around grateful people. I want to be one of those grateful people that you want to be around. That, 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 that if, if you're around someone who is, is full of gratitude, it, it's, it's infectious in a very good way. That's what the word amen means. It's, it's centered around this idea of gratitude. We say it all the time. And you've seen it come up as a theme in this uh, worship service, amen, the word amen. We say it all the time, but we don't really fully understand what it means. It's, it's kind of like, it's kind of like uh, the Hawaiian word aloha because it has a lot of different meanings. You know, I don't know if you realize that, but I, I wish Jewel were here. She could tell us all the different meanings that she's from uh, Hawaii, uh, all the different meanings of aloha. Uh, amen has a lot of different meanings as, as, as you look through Scripture. And sometimes we use it in ways that are sort of, sort of uh, urban. The Urban Dictionary probably has a lot of different interesting words for, uh, uh, for amen. Sometimes it just means let's eat, right? <laughs> Especially if you're out. You know, if you're out, you, you, when, you, when you pray out in, the, uh, in, in a restaurant, if you do, if it's loud, you know, you have to say amen really loud. So I think that contributes to it. You know, make sure you say amen really loud so that everybody knows that you're done. Okay, now let's eat. That's what amen sometimes means out in public, it doesn't really mean that, but sometimes. You know, there's, a, there's actually, I don't know where Derek is, that our drummer. Did you know there's a, there's a word, amen, that, that for a drum solo, a particular drum solo, I think I heard you 
uh, doing it this morning. It's called the Amen Break, all right? So amen. There's, there's also amen. You hear someone shouting out during, maybe during a worship service when they're, they're glad someone said something that they wanted somebody else to hear, right? <laughs> oh, I'm glad that, that, that he said that because I know so-and-so is in the room and they really need to hear this. Amen. That's right. We all agree with that, especially the person in the back row or whatever it is. Sometimes amen is, is just a reaction, right? That's why uh, the 11th, 12th, and 13th hole of, uh, of Augusta National is called Amen Corner, right? Because, it, because it, it's, it's the idea that uh, in church there's a, there, there, there's a group of people that, that react more than others or something like that. Maybe it's the choir or whatever it is. But, but, but in this corner at the Masters is such a concentration of, of people as they're watching. You can hear the reaction from all over the course. Amen has a lot of different street meanings, but what it really means is, what it really centers upon is an affirmation, an affirmation that makes us grateful. What we're going to look at is a scripture today where uh, Paul, he just breaks out in the middle of the letter to the Roman church. He just breaks out almost in song. He's gushing with gratitude. And, and, I, and what we're going to see through these short few verses, Romans 11, 33 to 36, are three amens that can reframe your perspective. Reframe your perspective with gratitude. Three different kinds of amens Yesterday we were driving north on 75, uh, back from where we had Thanksgiving, and I, I needed, it, it was like most of the United States was driving north on 75 at that point, and I needed to reframe my whole perspective, right? I needed help reframing my whole perspective, right? Sometimes we need that so that we can be more grateful people. Let's take a look at Paul's doxology. In Romans chapter 11. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him... And through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, would you bless this word now that we may not only understand it in our minds, but receive it into our hearts and live it out with our hands. In Jesus' name, amen. Three amens to help reframe your life in gratitude. Is everybody with me? Three amens that help reframe your life, your life driving up I-75 in gratitude. The first is the amen of the creator. The amen of the creator. 
That's, that's to look at the faithfulness of God in the past. Amen is an affirmation of God's faithfulness. You can see it throughout the Old Testament. Isaiah 65, verse 11, it, it talks about, it, it uses the word amen to name God. And it also uses the word amen to name Jesus in Revelation 3.14, calling God the amen, the one who is faithful. He will do it. There are times in, in life when we, we, we are in a place, we're on, uh, we're on I-75 and everybody is around us and everybody is stressed and we, we, we can't see around our present circumstances. There are times in life when, when we have to simply remember the faithfulness of God in the past. God is creator and all things come from him. You see verse 36 here. For from him and through him and to him. Those are the three amens. The first is that everything comes from God. And there are times in all our lives when we have to look back and see the faithfulness of God in the past in order to reframe our lives in gratitude. There's a woman named Nell in, uh, in our former church where we were in, in Chattanooga. And Nell uh, would sing this Sarah Groves song. And I'm going to read to you part of it now in just a minute. But Nell, it's, it's the person who was singing it that made this song so significant. The person, Nell, everyone understood. A single mom who had a really tough time. She was really dealing with a very difficult experience. She was in the middle of some really difficult circumstances. So when she sang this song, it wasn't lost on anybody. Who was singing it? She sang, Morning by morning, I wake up and find the power and comfort of God's hand in mine. Season by season, I watch him amazed in awe of the mystery of his perfect ways. All I had ne have need of, his hand will provide. He's always been faithful to me. And when Nell would sing that, there would, be, there would be no dry eye because people knew her story. And people understood that she, she is counting on the faithfulness of God in the past. She's looking back to where God has been faithful to her in the past, trusting that he is faithful and will be faithful to her ultimately even though she's down, even though she's in a bad place. That's why you see over and over again where the scriptures say, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of, of Jacob, right? Wandering in the wilderness, wondering how they've gotten, the Israelites wondering how they've gotten so distant from God. You've heard someone say, if, if, if you feel the distance between you and God, guess who moved, right? Guess who moved? And, and there are times when we do, we, we do find, that our, we find ourselves distant from God and we have to, to count upon the, the faithfulness of God in the past. And that's why the Israelites would say the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. They're saying, amen, the God of faithfulness, that all things come from him. That's the amen of the creator. That's the amen of the creator. 
to look back on the faithfulness of God in the past. There's also that amen of the Redeemer. That God is at work in the present. That he's at work making all things new. He's at work redeeming, exchanging, right? I remember growing up and collecting the Coke bottles. It used to be that you know, there weren't as, as many cans around. It used to be just bottles, and bottles were worth, what, five or ten cents, and we'd collect those things, and you know, then we'd go and, and spend it redeeming, exchanging a bottle for a dime and collecting that. That's, that's what it means to rely upon God who is in the redemption business, Think of that. God is in the redemption business. Are we looking? Are we, are we framing up life to see how is God at work to redeem this moment? Are you, are you reading books? Are you watching movies? Are you, are you dwelling in, in, in narratives that have redemptive turns? You know, sometimes you think, gosh, why am I watching this if there's nothing redemptive about it? We need to have a framework of that redemptive amen. Jesus said, truly, truly, the, the word he's using there is amen, amen, verily, verily, or in truth. God came to, to exchange so that he can bring integrity to our lives, truth to our lives. I remember... Uh, Oh, somebody copied me this, uh, this little Saturday Night Live video. I'm telling you that way because now you know I don't stay up that late to watch Saturday Night Live on Saturday nights. My boss has me working on Sunday. I don't know. It's just... <laughs> and and there, there was this video, and it was called Thank You, Scott. Have you seen this? Thank You, Scott. Here, here's this guy who is just sort of you know, an everyman. He represents just everyman. And he's looking out at, at the falsehood out in the world, and somebody says it, and he wants to give this big amen, right? And so he posts it, and it's just mocking the fact that, that somehow he's made the world a better place because he posted this article or this video or something, and they're, they're mocking him. They're going, thank you, Scott, you ended racism. Thank you, Scott, you ended poverty. Thank you, Scott, for posting that thing. You've changed the world, Scott, way to go. I know that we all feel that way sometimes. We want to just give a big amen when we see something sort of putting, seemingly to put something to rights or something that's redemptive. We think, you know, you kind of put the thumb to somebody um, and, and you think, you know, that's right. Take that. You see, apart from the redemptive gratitude, we think, we think that the world depends upon us. We have a self-centeredness. In the first amen, there's an entitlement. There's a sense of selfishness, right? And we reframe the world in the amen of the God who creates, that all things come from God and that he is faithful, right? And that turns around the idea. Here in this amen, the amen of redemption, the amen of truth, what's happening is we're being reminded that it's God who's working all things to the good. The world, someone told me this one time when I, when I was uh, uh, just cursing the darkness, right? 
thank you, Scott, kind of cursing the darkness. He said, Tim, the world already has a Savior. It's not you. (laughs) The world already has a Savior. So amen in this sense is that we're reframing life expectant, that God is, is at work in and through all things to make things right through him. Amen, amen. Truly, truly, God is putting things right. That's the amen of the Redeemer, that God is at work in the present. The third amen, the final amen, is you, you can see the pattern here. The, God, the, the amen of the past, the God of faithfulness, the amen of the present, or the, the, the amen of redemption, the God of the present, he's at work in the present. And then there's the amen of the sustainer, creator, redeemer, sustainer, the amen of the future. And this is the toughest one to wrap our minds around because it has to do with with God's glory and not our own glory. So you see what, what, what the affirmation of the amen is doing each time is it's turning us from some brand of self, right? Some form of selfishness, self-centeredness, self-absorption. In this case, it's the idea that, that life is centered upon me. Right? And this amen, we're affirming God of the sustaining power of the universe. That, that it's God who brings his promises into fruition. That, that if you're going to reframe your life in gratitude, you have to be someone who has his promises in mind. Not just that he was faithful in the past, not that he's just at work in the present and, and, and bringing truth, but that God is faithful to his promises and that we know what those promises are. In, in this scripture, this is, this is kind of a place to camp out for just a minute. I want to show you something that, that is very different. If you'll bring up the... The scripture again. I'm going to read it to you again. And I want you to see if you can see what's called a chiism. A chiism is where uh, it's ordered uh, three, two, one, one, two, three. And so everything that I, the whole sermon that I've constructed, the Redeemer, Creator, Sustainer is in here. He's saying, Oh, the depth of the riches, the wisdom of God, how unsearchable. Are his judgments, how inscrutable his ways, his ways. Some, there are times when we have to pray, thy will be done, so be it. That's what amen means, so be it. Thy will be done. How inscrutable his ways, that's three. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Who is the one coming alongside us to direct us, to put things right Who's the one to speak truth to us, that wonderful counselor, to redeem the day? That's two. Or who has given to him that he may be repaid? God is the source, the creator of all things. That's one. Now he says, now he flips it around, one, two, three. For from him, one, and through him, two, and to him, three, are all things. You see, this is not by accident. Paul does this over and over again in his letters. It's called a chiism. The, 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 the Greek letter chi stands for Christ. And so right in the middle of this text, Paul is breaking into song. He's breaking into doxology. And what does doxology mean? It's the glory of God. 
And so it's almost as if he's going to end his letter because why? Because Paul is reflecting upon God's goodness in the past, in the present, his promises to the future, and he can't help but, but become overwhelmed by gratitude. He is reframing all of life in terms of his own gratitude, his glory. His glory, to be a part of his glory. You know, it says in, in Revelation, it talks about the fact that the sun shall pass away, the, that, that we won't need a sun anymore, that the presence of God will bring, bring the light. It's to be in God's glory, and there are moments when we get glimpses of it. This idea of glory was understood for ages. We don't understand it today because we don't have a proximity to battles, to war that we used to have. In the, uh, the, the epic poem, Beowulf, you can see that it, it talks about glory, that Beowulf, no one was as hungry as Beowulf, the epic hero for glory. And that's a glory that's centered upon self. It's the idea that I have crushed everything else and my will has prevailed. It's that picture of, of that, that violent assertion of one's will no matter what. We do it in sort of white-collar ways. We, we manipulate or, or we, we seek to control. We use silence. We use all kinds of things to push our will in a life that's centered upon self, and it closes us off from people. It isolates us. To speak the amen of the sustainer, is to recognize that, that God is working things towards an end, that, that it's going to be a glory that will benefit us. That's why John Piper says, he says that the chief end, this is the, the first question of the Catechism of Westminster, our chief end is what? What's the chief end? Our chief end is to glorify God. And, and, and Piper tweaks it a little bit. He says, by enjoying him forever. And not just and to enjoy him forever, but, but that... That when God's glory prevails, it will be to our benefit and our pleasure. And so ultimately for us, not only to look to the past of what God has done to be faithful, but what God is doing to exchange life for life, to exchange uh, bad for good, to be at work in the redemption business, but to dwell upon the promises of God and to recognize that not everything we want, not every, all of our desires, not even all of our designs for our own lives, especially when we're self-centered, are to our very benefit. But to be willing to kneel with Jesus in the garden who so desired not to be placed upon that cross. But he said, ultimately he said, Amen, thy will be done. So be it. Let it be according to your will. One word, we say it almost every day, perhaps every day, maybe multiple times a day, to stop and think how it can reframe your life in gratitude. The amen of the creator, the amen of the redeemer, the amen of the sustainer. Let's pray together. Gracious God, our heavenly father, how we do give you thanks 
for your goodness to us. And we give you thanks for your redemptive power in the moments of our lives where we're stuck in stress. We thank you for your promises to us. Increase our faith, O oh God. Increase our faith in our awareness that your glory is for our ultimate good. That we may walk around bringing you glory, not because we're speaking some kind of pious language, but honestly, verily, truly, truly, in the depth of who we are, we feel gratitude for what you're going to do in and through us. In Jesus' name.